Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And when an accomplished peace builder and internationally respected peace activist and leader asked me to read a children's book and interview the author, even though it was a stretch, I didn't think twice. I've been interviewing amazing guests on this show for eight years now, and I have only hosted fictional authors maybe once or twice before. It's very, very rare. And wow, trusting the recommendation of my friend was not only a good idea, but literally this book has impacted me personally on such a deep level. I am so inspired and I I seriously want every school and public library to buy several copies of this book. It has the magic, intrigue, and adventures of Harry Potter, yet with this beautiful global mission for achieving world peace. I am so happy to support this work and bring you this conversation and wow. Looking forward to this so much. Here's a brief summary that the author reflected on when writing this book. She said, I always sensed that this would be a book for the child in us all, but especially, or, but was especially keen to address the wave of exceptionally exceptional souls currently flooding the planet. These young people are, I believe, already equipped with the necessary qualities and experience to affect real change on our planet. The book then is my contribution in support of this new generation, one that will carry humanity forward into a radiant new age of sharing and peace. I love that inspiration. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your heart and mind, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce two guests today. Maura Irving is a healer, writer, storyteller, and creative writing teacher who lives in central England. She's the author of Amelie Trot and the Earth Watchers, the incredible story I'm referring to here today. And who recommended it to me? Dr. Dot Maver. She's an educator and peace builder, co-founder of Global Silent Minute, Global Alliance for Ministries and Infrastructures for Peace, the National Peace Academy USA, and River Phoenix Center for Peace Building. As you can tell, she's very accomplished. And when she recommends someone like Maura, I listen. So here we are. Welcome, ladies. Mm, Thank you, Julie. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Julie. I'm just bouncing off my chair at the moment, listening to your words. I'm doubly honoured. I can't thank you enough, both of you, actually, Dot, for setting this up with you, Julie. And, um, well, I'm I'm almost um, beyond words, which isn't a good thing for a writer, is it? 
<laughs> I trust they're going to flow with ease once we all get into the story and, and really let let the the spirit of Amelie Trot really hold this conversation for us today. So I'm really happy for you both. And I know, I know, Maura, you have listened to a few of my shows because you let me know that. So you know I have a traditional first question here on the show. And as I read this book, it's a children's book. I don't know if I said that. I think I did. But as I read it, I could feel the essence of all things connected, moving through the pages, through the words. And, and so I know you can resonate with this. So I'm going to ask you if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean oh, to thank you? you? Thank you, Julie. And well, now you've said this to me, I feel my job has, well, the work has been done. I've done what I set out to do. And um, well, yes, all things connected. As Dot so often says in the Global Silent Minute, our hearts unite across distance. And, you know, this has never felt more evident to me than now. Um, mine is, a, well, it's a personal answer, I suppose. As a very young child, I instinctively knew that I wasn't apart from anything. And I think most children do. But being somewhat shy and introverted, I, I spent a lot of time observing the things and people around me. And I realize now, of course, I was aware of energies so much that later on I'd often see streams of energy flowing between people and things. And um, just as my son has, um, he's able to do far more than I or was able to do as a child, far more than I ever did. Um, but introversion became a problem for me later in life when I was obliged to speak in public. So... I had to call upon a lot of courage, just as I do each time I agree to do a, a Zoom talk or a, a radio show. Well, the solution I found um, in um, speaking to people was to look them directly in the eye and remind myself, I am another you. You are another me. And it really works. And so I'm kind of doing that now, looking at your photographs and um, just feeling that oneness between us. So I hope you don't mind me coming from this and probably other um, conversations from the perspective as, uh, of a storyteller, because I think storytelling and films show this wonderfully. They develop empathy in us so that we can identify with characters real or fictional, and we feel for them, don't we, and feel with them in their struggles. And this really does show us that we're not separate, that we have a common humanity. So I've always looked, tried to look at what unifies us rather than divides us. And it's been especially hard in recent times with friends and families falling out over here in the UK with different views on Brexit. And now, of course, over the past year, over a year, with COVID and um, the subject of vaccinations, friendships have fallen apart and 
Sadly, even the so-called spiritual community has found itself in disagreement. So we absolutely have to find common ground. Mm. Maura, your voice is so soothing just listening to your voice. So I'm, I'm glad you found it as you moved into the storytelling and people say, let's do an interview because your voice is just as soothing as your incredible, creative, imaginative voice on the pages. I was spellbound. I was, I was totally in after the first page. And like I mentioned in the intro, I, I don't do fiction much, but I trusted Dot and Dot. So Dot, I want to bring you in during um, this early moment of the show because you're the one that said, you have to read this book and interview Maura. And here we are um, going into this conversation about Amelie Trot and the Earth Watchers. But first, let's share why, Dot, why were you so moved to recommend this book to me? Mm, oh, Julie, thank you for the question. For those who know me, I rarely give advice and I rarely make like must recommendations, very rarely. So I'm delighted to hear you say that this is a rare moment for you as well. When I first met Maura and got a sense of her spirit, then heard about this children's book, which I knew immediately as she spoke of it was about the child within all of us. And this book directly addresses the illusion of separation and does it through a 10-year-old hero who's female, a heroine. I love that. So, And who works with others in a triangle with her two best friends. The mo So we have sacred geometry. We have an infrastructure for peace that begins to develop throughout the book and throughout you. It, it is a page turner. I, I was amazed also, Julie, and mm -hmm. like, and it, and Maura makes it clear that everyone on this planet has innate wisdom, inherent value, and a unique contribution to offer on behalf of the common good. And when we do that, oh my goodness, the sky is the limit. So yes, I have been sharing this book with friends and relatives and just encouraging people to touch into the child within, gain some confidence and a picture of us in cosmos. It's This world is so much bigger than we know. And Maura addresses that brilliantly and pragmatically and with such heart and inspiration. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Dot, I have to tell you, when you were talking just now, I saw a little 10-year-old dot. It's almost like um, Amelie comes alive, but really is is your story for sure. I could just see this 10-year-old ready to to do amazing things on the planet and, and look at you now. So it's so cool that, that you resonated so deeply with the story, and it is a page-turner. Oh, my gosh. It is, um, like I mentioned, you know, Harry Potter was fun, and... This is, um, I think, the next iteration of these beautiful children's stories, an incredible series. I can't wait 
I can't wait, Maura, for you to read or to write book two, book three, book four, whatever is coming. I know there's a few more coming, but more. Maura, let's let's begin with your story behind this story then. This book emerged for you in a very special way. I'd love for you to tell that story. And then tell us about the inspiration to not only write this story, what came through for you, but a little bit about how the story emerged after you got the nudge from the universe. I would love to. And before I do, if you could see the huge smile on my face. I'm just, I can't wait to listen to the recording so I can hear your words again, both of you, and I cannot thank you enough. And I too am looking at Dot and seeing that 10-year-old little girl. (laughs) Um, Yes, so you'd like me to tell you uh, the background. Well, it never occurred to me that I'd one day be writing for children. I had absolutely no interest in that at all. I'd already created a collection of short stories, um, a couple of non-fiction, I'd written a couple of non-fiction guides to retreat, and I had, still have, an adult novel tucked away in a drawer somewhere waiting to be finished. One evening, I was jolted out of my meditation by a sudden thought. And it was a thought that wasn't my own. And you've already mentioned that, actually, Julie, Emily Trot and the Earth Watchers. I was curious because it sounded very much like the title of a children's book. And I inwardly asked, well, would you mind very much if I changed the name to Amelie? And if you look inside the cover of the book, you'll see that I've dedicated the story to Amelie, who was my Best is still is my best little friend who used to live next door to me. Um, So, as for the Earth Watchers, well, I recognized the name straight away because it took me back to an experience I'd had a few years before. It was during the summer. I was standing outside looking up at the sky when suddenly three lights appeared. And they were traveling in a triangular formation. This triangle keeps coming up, Dot, doesn't it? Um, And they were followed by two, at least two more groups, all holding that same triangular shape and the same trajectory. And as it turned out, these were seen some 50, even I think 100 miles away that evening. Um, I discovered that by looking online. That experience still stays with me, actually, because it lifted my spirit so much. I felt like my feet were lifting off the ground. And that, of course, happens to Amelie in the book, in the story. And after that, I was so moved that I created two paintings. They were both called Earthwatch, Earthwatch 1, Earthwatch 2. So when I heard the title of the book... I I really wasn't surprised, and I knew it was connected with that experience that I'd had. So it took me, I suppose, another year uh, before I really got seriously down to writing the book. And they came to me rather like a film. And this is how I always write. I get episodes rather than start at the beginning, work through to the end. 
I wish I could do that. That would be a lot easier. But I get episodes that I then have to piece together to form some kind of coherent story. And so it, the, the story itself told itself to me. This is happening again for me now, actually, with the sequel. Um, so I realized that it's a story not only written for children, but for the magical child that lives within us all. So um, have I answered your question, Julie? That was the kind of background to it. Yeah, um, I'm so intrigued, though. I could just listen to you speaking of your whole journey, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's just after reading the book and then hearing your voice, it's really enriching, you know, to hear how this came about. And I'd love to just, I know this is um, perhaps a curious question, but I'd love to hear how those episodes come to you, because I think that's a, a fascinating <laughs> way of how this was born. Yes, sure. Um, well, they come to me often in the middle of the night or the early hours of the morning. I have a very disrupted sleep pattern as a result of writing, because that's when the muse is most active. Um, before he died, a dear friend and spiritual mentor assured me I'd be spending my later years writing not just one book, but books. And, um, well, now, of course, I realize how right he was. Um, the, the other times that I get ideas, when I'm, I love to walk, and when I'm walking across the fields nearby, near where I live, um, a conversation will come into my mind. I will hear one of the characters speaking, or I'll just be given a nudge about what happens next or further down the line, you know, perhaps towards the end of the story. Also, I, I do love to lie in the bath and dream. And that's when I think it's in that state of um, total relaxation when the sort of um, the practical the practicalities of life get put aside and we can really tune in to that. Well, the right is the right brain, isn't it? The, the left brain gets switched off a bit. So it's a fairly meditative state, I think. Maura, you, um, you're speaking in a really um, almost mystical way of how this is emerging in your consciousness and this call to write the book. There's also this, um, I think really important parallel in the book that I would love for you to share with our listeners with the emergence of um, your writing and, and at the culmination of the book is this, I, I don't want to spoil it for the readers, but I, I do or for our listeners if they haven't read it, but I'm going to spoil this piece because I think it's in another important part of the story and then Dot can reflect on this too but this there's this parallel between the main character of the book the heroine organizing this global event for children and at the same time the emergence of Greta Thunberg comes onto the global scene um, doing the same thing tell us about the 
timing of that and, and what it's meant for you. I will indeed. I'd be delighted to. It's very strange how it happened. Um, I had the book almost finished. Uh, pretty Yes, I, I, I thought it was pretty much finished. And um, I, I think it was Easter, Easter Sunday, 2019. And I looked on my emails and I found an invitation to go down to London. And it, it was Greta Thunberg who was giving a talk at the Quaker Meeting House uh, opposite Euston Station, a place that I often used to go to. And I thought, I have to go and hear this young woman. What I discovered was that, <laughs> I don't want to say too much, as you say, because it will spoil the story somewhat, but... Um, Towards the end of the book, there's a peace demonstration in Parliament Square. Well, in fact, all around the world, but I won't say now how that happens. And it was in the story the very same day as Greta Thunberg made her first um, Fridays for Future stand for the climate outside the Swedish parliament in 2018. So um, that's where the story starts in 2018. So that was really strange. And um, I realized that I needed to at least go and listen to her live. And But I had a feeling I would actually meet her. And of course, you have the photograph, don't you, um, Julie? Yes, yes. Of, um, of that, I won't say chance meeting, because I knew it had to happen. And um, I was so inspired by her that, well, I wrote a new first chapter for the book as a result of that. Mm. The first chapter is so powerful. And... Um... I like literally I'm like I'm looking at the dates I'm looking at the chapter titles I'm looking to see where that where does the rest of this go and 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 it's just fascinating but I loved the first chapter I loved um I didn't know you rewrote the first chapter but when I read it it was this um uh, young woman taking a stand with such clarity and this call for peace that was not um, shook by the adults' ridicule, or um, yeah, they weren't taking her seriously, and they were they were literally trying to pull her off off of her game, and she just stood so clearly. And I could now that you say that, I could see Greta Thunberg in that as well. And and Greta had a lot of um, pushback from doubting adults as well. So thank you for that explanation. That was really powerful. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Yeah, thank yes, you. Yes, and of course, Greta still does, doesn't she? And she she stands up wonderfully to it all. She's, yes. Yeah, what what a role model for us. And I, I love the parallels, and I love how um, that was already written, and then um, 
the dates coincided. How powerful is that? Dot, I just want to give you an opportunity. We have about three minutes till break. And I know that this story, you know, is just near and dear to you too, but with the global scene for peace and knowing the power in the next half, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about youth movements and, and their power on the planet. But just for now, I'd love to just learn from you some reflections of Amelie and, and how perhaps Amelie has influenced you and your work. Mm, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Maura and Julie. I was chuckling as you were both saying, 10-year-old uh, Dot, that's the truth. And I think that's what really touched my heart the most, is that I so totally resonate with Amelie. And do you know, I think I've shared with you, Julie, over the years, uh, as a peace builder, I mean, it wasn't even a word until about 20 years ago or so. But as a peace builder, people would say to me, even my friends, you have to lose the word peace. You have to change the word peace. And so, but you know, when you have the faith and the, the unflagging optimism and the confidence to stand in what you know is truth, nothing shakes. I have always said weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's Amelie. And Maura, you have so beautifully woven this tapestry with this 10-year-old and the reality of being 10 at the same time. We are so much more than ourselves. And you include so many well-known spiritual values and principles, uh, the very laws of life and the universe that impact all of us. Through, they're woven throughout this book that's what speaks to me uh, deep, deep in my own soul. Yeah, and I want to talk about that after the break as well, because those spiritual principles are are woven. They're just they're they're really beautiful. So I do want to talk about that a bit after the break. But first, we are going to take a quick break. When we return, you're going to hear so much more about Amelie Trot and the Earth Watchers and this beautiful message for all humanity. We'll be right back. Meditation Channel, non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. I'm Kelly Clarkson and I've toured the country dozens of times and there's one thing every state has in common, childhood hunger. The sad truth is that 17 million kids don't know where their next meal is coming from or if it's even coming at all. Yet there are billions of pounds of surplus food around the country at farms and warehouses that could help end this injustice. But all that food is useless if it doesn't get where it needs to go. That's why the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. 
Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. Find out how at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me, or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better. And kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me in United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor. Because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. There's hundreds of fun and simple things you and your family can do to live a healthier lifestyle. Here's 20 of them. Eat less, eat slower, eat smarter, eat your fruits and veggies, stop eating before you're full, up your fiber, lower your calories, get off the bus early, do some gardening, do jumping jacks, take the stairs, take one, not two, take on a new sport, take a long walk home, walk instead of drive, bend, stretch, reach for the stars, climb the monkey bars, skip the fudge bars. <sighs> Search We Can online to find more ways you and your family can get healthy together. A message from the Ad Council, HHS, and NIH's We Can program. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. And on the leading edge of personal, social, and global transformation, I invite you to be a way shower, a change agent, and make connections that inspire and accelerate our collective awakening and planetary healing. Stay connected each week with my newsletter where you'll find meaningful content, opportunities, and inspiration. You can sign up for that at juliecrawlemail.com. Again, that's juliecrawl, K-R-U-L-L email.com so i am here with dot maver and maura irving maura is there a website our listeners can find you at yes it's very easy it's www.amelietrot.com perfect perfect oh i'm happy to hear that okay very simple and that is the um, main character of this book we're talking about, Emily Trott and the Earth Watchers. And right before the break, Dot, you mentioned that the spiritual and esoteric principles that really weave their way through this book, through the life of Emily, through the events that are unfolding. And, and Maura, I would love to hear you um, kind of address that. And also this, that the, the first half of the book, where the young characters, these three, work together to save their home. It just seemed like this amazing metaphor that draws you in 
pulls in the reader and it has so many twists and turns and then there's this big surprise unfolding after that I want to encourage the listeners keep reading keep reading but can you speak with a little bit about that the metaphor of of really saving our home and then those spiritual esoteric principles that weave through the pages Yes, certainly. Um, well, I wondered if you might ask me about the um, essence of the, the story. And really, you've described it beautifully. The The Trot family have fallen on hard times and they're about, about to lose their beautiful old house. It's called Hadley, Hadley House, to their evil relatives, the Bottomley Slies. It's the kind of classic tale of the triumph of the forces of light over darkness. And um, Amelie gets to meet a 10-foot-tall stranger. There's no one else about. And he turns up on the staircase one day. And um, that's quite early on in the story, actually, chapter four. Um, And he tells her that she alone will have to save their home Only she can do it. Well, in fact, she isn't entirely on her own, as you know, because she's part of a group. A group, the smallest group is three, a triangle. She, her brother, her elder brother, Tim, and best friend, Isla, who's a a black American girl. I I really love Isla. Um, uh, She... uh, I'm as fond of her as any of the others, really. Um, So they do this together, but it's it's all led by this 10-year-old girl, Amelie. She later realizes, and I don't want to say how how they do save it. They raise thousands of pounds to save the house. Um, But having done so, she realizes that this has simply been a rehearsal for averting um, a more sinister danger still, the potential end of the world itself. So (laughs) this, in fact, means that Amelie, Tim and Isla are responsible for stopping a planetary catastrophe. Um, And the book reminds us of the the ever-present danger of nuclear weapons, sometimes um, a subject that has kind of slipped off the radar a little, because we have so many other planetary challenges to attend to, um, climate change especially. Um, and uh, last year, of course, was the 75th anniversary of Hiroshima. So um, it was a timely, very timely and um, occasion really to have the book published. The Earth Watchers who, apart from being the space brothers and sisters, I think, they also stand in for um, the masters of wisdom, those human beings like ourselves who have lived far longer and um, become incredibly wise. And so I'm introducing some esoteric principles to the children in this way. Um, And one of the things they remind them and us is that whatever we do here on Luga, which is the name they give to planet Earth, affects not only us, but the whole of cosmos. Um, I'm, I, 
I'm trying to remember. I know you asked me for um, some more examples of, let's say, the spiritual principles. Um, well, certainly living in right relationship with harmony with ourselves, with others. So personal peace is hugely important here. Um, to know ourselves, that famous dictum, man know thyself, means to know the greater deathless part of ourselves. And this I do continually emphasize in my stories um, so that readers can grasp what this means for them, uh, that there is no death. Um, that our ideas about peace must include not only humanity, but all life, both here and in outer space. And, um, well, I think writers like myself have such a, a great opportunity and responsibility to create a culture of peace in that world, to help to create a culture of peace in this way. Um, well, Dot has already mentioned the triangle, the spiritual significance of the triangle, um, the triangle's meditation. Um, there is another meditation that um, I've been involved in or was involved in for decades, which is transmission meditation, which also uses the triangle as a, a kind of center of force through which the masters can send um, energies that need to be stepped down basically through us. Uh, I probably could go on talking about this for <laughs> a very long time, but perhaps that just gives, um, uh, well, a taster anyway of the spiritual messages behind the book. Yeah, it's a beautiful teaser to it. And thank you for that. Um, yeah, the, that's one of the elements that I, I really do appreciate coming through this, uh, just weaving it through the stories here. And and so, you know, this this book is, wow. Okay, let's turn the conversation from fictional to factual. So, Dot, you and I just participated in the One Planet Peace Forum. Yes. And the thing that I loved most was the inspiring role that young people are playing in the peace building efforts. We heard from several youth leaders from, from policymaking to grassroots initiatives. It was exquisite. I kept using that word this last weekend, exquisite. <laughs> Can you speak about the role of young people on the planet right now and how literally I see this, this book as inspiring even more to step into their peace-building role. Mm, yes, yes, thank you. And but Maura, as you were just sharing that, two of the principles that just jump out of the book at me are understood by so many of these youth leaders and youth activists that you are talking about, Julie, and I'll be happy to mention some of that. But one is the illusion of time, that there is only now. And when we presence and stay in the now, we begin to understand that time is a brain event. And a friend of mine used to say, you have all the time in the world. It's the only place you have it. But this illusion of time so that we presence in the now. And the second thing is love. 
the quality of love is that's it. We are living in a time of the doctrine of the heart and both our planet and the solar system we exist within are conditioned by love, love and wisdom. So it's courage, the age of the heart, developing courage. And what we saw, Julie, what we experienced, and kudos to you, you are a, an exquisite moderator and facilitator. What we experienced through the One Planet Peace Forum was youth in various areas, for example, breaking walls. Uh, breaking walls features youth in countries around the world who are coming together through the creative arts to for right relationship to bring right relationship and peace to this planet and we're defining peace as living in right relationship with self others and all life uh, children of the earth has been part of the activities throughout september peace month and again the when you look at children that organization around the world we have children and youth acting and interacting on behalf of the common good uh, in just so many beautiful ways. Uh, Kekishan Basu, founder of Green Hope Foundation, she founded that when she was 12, and she's now a bit older than that. And they are planting trees and they are feeding the hungry and feeding refugees and uh, working, as you name, Maura, uh, to do away with nuclear, nuclear weapons, never again, and so much more. And I have to say, Julie, that one of the things that really touched the political part of me here in the USA, one of the youngest politicians is in Maine in the USA, Chloe Maxman. She spoke brilliantly, pragmatically, and through her heart with such clarity and courage, uh, it gives me great hope. So yeah, there is a lot happening around the planet right now that gives us hope. This book speaks to it. Yeah, it does speak to it. And 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 Maura, you spoke to this, so I'm just going to expand this. I want to pause with your description, Dot, right here and really get both of you involved here because, Dot, you're talking about the qualities of, of this young senator from Maine and yet many of the others that were so involved in in all the International Day of Peace activities and Peace Month. But, Maura, you said um, that you're seeing what you're seeing, you said you believe that these youth are already equipped with the necessary qualities and experience to affect real change on the planet. What is it that you're seeing that equips our young people and dot, what, what are some of these other, why are these kids stepping forward now? How are they, how are they equipped at some, such a young age to do these really incredible feats now on the planet? Maura, let's start with you. Well, to answer that, I'm wondering if I could read you a little excerpt from the book. Would that be right? It's just a few lines. Sure. Let me just find it now. Um, while I'm finding it, I just wanted to thank Dot so much for those beautiful words and for, of course, bringing in the subject of the now, which, yes, you're right. I don't know how I overlooked that, actually, but um, thank you for reminding me. Um, I think I found it here. Yes. Um, so here we have 
three young people who are told by the Earth Watchers of the very special qualities they have to um, move forward into um, a culture of peace. Um, the commander, who is a senior master, if you like, um, or Earth Watcher, says, are you willing to save Luger from this possible future? He's outlined, you know, the worst things that could happen. Yes, Tulu, they hear themselves say. Excellent. Then I shall explain your tasks in detail when we next meet. And then um, Dorin, a, a junior Earth Watcher, says, Tim, Amelie and Isla, you've all been preparing for this for hundreds of years. Amelie suddenly felt very small, but I'm only 10. And I'm not 13 till next year, said Tim. I think I understand. Isla's eyes lit up as though some great truth had just dawned upon her. Is this something to do with our having lived before? Dorin smiled. Indeed, we've all been waiting for this meeting since the day you were born. We recognised you even then as being useful to the plan and have been keeping watch over you ever since. And how did you recognise us? They cried in unison. By your light, said the commander. Well, you do rather stand out from the crowd. He smiled and lifted a lock of Amelie's bright red hair. We're not called the Earth Watchers for nothing. So they do have a sense of humour as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Amelie has very bright um, poppy red hair. Yes, so um, they they gradually get the idea that, you know, that there are many lifetimes within the one life. Wow, this is a beautiful um, way to just presence that for adults who might look at the young people and go, they've only lived 10 years or 13 years or 18 years or 22 years. And yet we do reach this place where we really get that on this visceral level that we're all here prepared, you know, and, and just how powerful that is. Dot, do you want to expand on this idea um, a little bit? Yeah, thank you. And and Maura, when you say preparing for hundreds of years, it's one of the things that captured my heart with Amelie Trott and the Earth Watchers. You know, in the great journey of humanity over way more than hundreds of years, there have been numerous bell curve moments. And we are living through one of those moments. Probably the most significant one, if, if I dare say that, uh, due to the fact that so many who are in form right now, in incarnation, are aware of that fact, are conscious of being in a physical, etheric, emotional, mental vehicle that houses our essence and so we have the choice. We are at choice to live on purpose. And Amelie, and well, Isla, the light bulb went off, and Amelie understood it, as did Tim. And when that landed in those youth, they were on fire. 
And we all live with fiery hearts. We just don't usually know that. When we realize that, and we realize that we actually can make a difference if we are willing to really give all uh, to whatever it is that lights lights us up, that's what's happening. So the direct answer to your question, Julie, is those youth who are stepping forward, whose lights are just brilliant right now on the planet, they realize that. They are actually conscious of the fact that as they move through their life experience, the point of identification for them is not all of this outer seeming. They already get that we're not going to fix all these issues, this all systems breakdown on the level it happened. And so they are living from that level through very pragmatically in most cases and really making a difference to create the world that's actually going to work for everyone. That is so inspiring and so contagious. And may we all experienced enlightened enthusiasm around these conscious young ones. Mm, amen. Amen. You both just really bring this alive and uh, I, I'm I'm so happy that we we turned this conversation right here. How can we empower these children then? Okay, so as the elders on the planet, as as other adults, most of our listeners are adults. What other ways can we lift up and support these youth to make the change we all know is necessary right now? Who wants to go first? I'll be happy to go first if that's okay, Maura, because it's one of the The live on purpose moments for me, Julie, as you know, is to give voice, give voice to youth. And and One Planet Peace Forum just did that beautifully over those three days that you moderated and helped organize. We need to do more of that. Give voice to the storytellers because we are the storytellers of our time. And so many of the youth, whether it be through a story like Maura is writing and there's a sequel coming. Yay. Yay. <laughs> underway, or giving voice to the story that they are living. That's what we need to do is help tell that story because that's what's going to turn things for people instead of the despair and often depression that we find so often out here. You've inspired me. I, I in this moment, am hearing do a series with these youth's voices and boy, that could last for a very long time because there's so many of them. But Maura, I want to give you an opportunity to address this. How can we support and lift up the these youth as they step into their important role of peace building and advocacy on the planet? Yes, and what a privilege it is. Um, I, I'm also aware of what young people are up against Um, nowadays, born as they are into a world of fakery and material greed, really. And they're subjected to certain social media influences. Um, Influences, it's it's something I, you know, I really don't like the the idea of this at all. Um, They play mercilessly, really, with kids' minds. Um, So we're seeing mental health issues arising uh, perhaps more than ever before. And so I hope that my books create hope 
in a world that seems hopeless. Um, there was just one recent review I had, uh, which gave me a lot of pleasure because it, it speaks of dealing with children's perhaps smaller issues uh, rather than the global issues, but they are still important. And she's an author herself, actually, one of my favourite authors. And she writes, the author also manages to tackle smaller issues like friendships, bullying, self-esteem, and even embarrassing middle names. If you read the book, you'll understand <laughs> what that's about. Uh, she she does the, all this without talking down to her readers and in a way that children can relate to. Amelie and her friends may be on a mission to save the world, but they are still children with real life problems to deal with too. So she she really has drawn attention to the fact that wonderful and, and so advanced as these young people are, they are still going to come up against the challenges that we all have to face just being human, physical, emotional beings in the world. So I, I just wanted to mention that anyway. Mm. I, I appreciate that, bringing in the, the humanity of of these young people as well. And it's funny, I have, I'm staring at a piece of artwork and um you would you would like them. There's two different pieces here, and it's it's very cosmic where we're seeing the Earth from a distance in one, and this ledge where all these kids, like just like the kids in your book, I could just see them here where they're leaning over the edge and just watching the Earth. You know, like they're the Earth watchers themselves. And then there's another one with the Earth below and three kids. Um, sorry to say, they're not. There's not, not a girl there. There are three boys, but they're ready. They're jumping off the cliff and, and ready to just jump into Earth from way out yonder. It's so funny. But but they are. These, these kids are real kids. So thank you for bringing that sense of humanity into their stories that, that literally the, the characters in your book do go through some challenges. And I know... I. Dot from listening to these kids in the One Planet Peace Forum, they've all had their own set of challenges, you know, and, and that's part of their inspiration, you know, moving into this work as well. So I have about one minute here. So I want to thank you, Dot, for being a part of this, for bringing Maura here and introducing me to this book. It's now my favorite. I can't wait till my granddaughter's old enough to read it because um, she's going to love it. So I'm going to see this weekend if she'll sit still while I read a couple chapters because she loves books, even though it doesn't have any pictures. I think I could read her a few chapters at a time. So I'm really looking forward to that. So. Maura, in a minute or so, can you just tell us what's next for you? There's a sequel coming or maybe even a trilogy or more. Yes. Um, give us give us some insight. So what oh, we can look forward to. Oh, thank you so much. Very, very briefly, what I'm doing is I've changed the title of the, uh, the first of the two sequels. So we'll end up with three Amelie Trot books. I've changed it from Amelie Trot and the Children of Luga to Amelie Trot and the Mark of Triandor. The Mark of Triandor is a symbol of power. And this, it, it, it's um, 
a book where I'm interweaving two time frames, taking one of the characters in book one, the one you have read, Julie and Dot, um, great great aunt Eglantine. So her name is mm-hmm. Eggie. Uh, back to the 1910s, 1910, right the way through to the 1990s. She has a very long life and she lives the life of an activist and an explorer. She's very much, you know, ahead of her time. And I've grown to love her as much as I love Amelie, and I hope Mm. you will too. And Mm. then the last of the trilogy is going to be focused very much on environmental issues. I've saved that one up to last. I've got a lot of material ready for it, and I'm going to be including in the story some real-life young activists Mm. um (laughs) one of them um i don't know if you know of her she's called lily lily platt with lily's plastic pickup um and she works with her grandfather a little bit like amelie does with storm her great-grandfather so um, i'm looking forward to working with real life young people who are you know doing this stuff in the world. It's so exciting. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Maura, thank you so much for joining us today. This was just a delightful conversation. Thank you so much, Julie. I have loved it. And thank you, Dot. I want to give you both such a big hug. Could I just put out one more One more thing. Well, two, actually. The sales of Amelie Trot all go to the Extra Guest End Hunger Charity, which has partnerships with Oxfam and SOS Children's Villages. But we we try to um, to support lots and lots of end hunger projects around the world. So all my royalties go to that. And um, the other thing is, <laughs> this is very cheeky, very daring of me. If there is um, anyone in film, any film directors listening, or if you know any film directors, I've always seen this, I should say these, as films. And that's the next task for me to push it forward, I think, mm. as well as getting the book into schools. I can see it. I can see it. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to leave you listeners with the words of the fictional character, Amelie Trott. You can achieve absolutely anything if you remember this one thing. There is an amazing, invisible power running through each of us. You are never too small, too young, too old to make a difference. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.